Let us pray. Holy God, send your spirit to us this day and fill us with your word that we may live in the fullness of your grace through Christ our Lord. Amen. Today's epistle lesson is from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Hear these words of scripture. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers, day and night. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And for this reason, I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Richard Hardell once described the following scene, which I have adapted to our Presbyterian context. Parent number one, holding her child, said to parent number two, it's up to us to raise this child in the faith. I am so glad you're here. You know more about teaching the faith than I do. And parent number two responded, I don't know how to teach the faith. Parent number one asked, what shall we do? And parent number two replied, let's talk with the Sunday school teacher at church. He should know, it's his job. They passed the child to the Sunday school teacher who held the child and said, what a beautiful child but I don't know how to teach faith to a child. Let's ask Becky, 
our director of faith formation. So they passed the child to Becky who said, you know, I thought I knew, but now I'm not so sure. Let's ask Becca, our youth director. So they passed the child to, Be to Becca who promptly said, sorry, I just started this gig. Let's ask the pastor. So they passed the child to the pastor who explained, times have changed rapidly and it's been a few years since I've been to seminary and I don't really know how to communicate the faith with children. I'm better at preaching to adults, so let's check with the presbytery office. They have people who are supposed to help all congregations. Well, the child was passed from the pastor to the stated clerk of the presbytery, and the stated clerk quickly explained how this was not her responsibility, but that the presbytery leader was in. The child was passed from the stated clerk to the presbytery leader, who immediately passed the child back to the parents. And while doing so, she said, oh no, the child will need you to teach the faith. Now, of course, the little scene that I just described is an exaggeration. But like every exaggeration, it contains a kernel of truth. This question about the faith of future generations, and by extension, the future of the church itself, is on the minds of church folks pretty much everywhere you go not just in this place. And if you're here today, chances are good that this is something that you think about, and maybe even worry about. Because in the face of life's difficulties, in the midst of cultural apathy and antagonism toward religion, and surrounded by so many distractions, it's not only hard to pass on faith to the next generation, it's hard to preserve your own. When you experience deep loss, faith is hard. When the one who's supposed to care about you hurts you, faith feels futile. When you work for justice and progress is too long and slow in coming, remaining steadfast in faith is not easy. And to be faithful to our calling as disciples and to be part of God's work of passing this faith on is hardly convenient. And if we're really truthful, especially in today's world with so many choices available to us and the ability to pick and choose, we're not sure any of it matters. And maybe that's the worst. In our text today from 2 Timothy, we see the author's concern with preserving and passing on faith in Christ. We see the faith in Timothy's family that lived on through generation after generation. It lived first in his grandmother Lois, and then his mother Eunice, and now in Timothy himself. Now, I don't know what kind of talks Lois and Eunice had with Timothy. We don't have a record of those daily conversations. Perhaps they worshiped together. 
Maybe they discussed their faith in Jesus as they went about their daily work. But the text does tell us that this faith handed down from generation to generation was a living faith. But if this faith was living in Timothy, it also seems he needed reminding of it. There's a sense that Timothy's own faith was wavering, that he was ashamed of this gospel, that he lacked courage, like we so often do. Because in Timothy's world, the kind of faith passed on to him was as countercultural then as it is today. Whether you lived in the first century or you live now in the 21st century, to follow in the way that Christ taught is demanding. So in one of the most personal letters in the New Testament, the last words of a faith hero who is dying, Paul hearkens to the legacy of faith passed on to Timothy to encourage him in the midst of that struggle. This is not some form letter that is pulled out of thin air with a generic playbook for implementing faith as if it were something that can be programmed. Paul reaches out to him on the basis of the relationship that he had already cultivated with Timothy. And there is good news in that because faith is indeed about a relationship, not a program or even an absolute set of doctrines. Faith is the gift of a relationship with the one that we follow. And so when it comes to nurturing the faith of our children and of one another, we can't ignore the role of relationships. We can't underestimate the role, not only of family, but also of significant relationships with other caring adults in the church. Hardell would call those caring conversations. And to the question, whose responsibility is it to make these connections, yours or mine, the answer is yes. You see, it's one thing that every one of us can be part of in one way or another. To partner with families of all ages and sizes, families of one and families of many, traditional families and non-traditional families of every shape and size and makeup and color to pass on faith. Cardell suggests that every Christian adult is a Christian parent, whether or not they have children of their own. Every Christian adult needs to have caring and faith-filled conversations with our children and youth and then leave the rest in God's hands. And may I suggest there's a great opportunity this week. It's called intergenerational kabats. Youth or not, we all need these caring conversations with one another in this context of our faith because what transforms lives will not be a reasoned argument as good as they may be and as much as I love them. What transforms lives will be an encounter and a relationship that is experienced in God's grace, mercy, 
and love. And if in those caring conversations, questions about God or faith arise, it is okay to struggle along with them, even if we don't have the answers. See, I think faith is way more about the questions than it is about answers. For it's not certainty that causes us to seek God. It's the questions. And I admit, I tend to be a little leery when someone says they have it all figured out. That's why I love the curriculum theme for this year's commissioning class, which meets for the first time this year after church today. And that theme is called Big God, Big Questions. Isn't that awesome? Now I can hear you say, but I thought you said faith wasn't a program. Well, it's true, this is a program, and it has a curriculum, and there are scheduled times that we meet. But it's not about the program, not really. That program is only the framework within which these relationships can form and give rise to conversations about faith in this God who chose to become one of us. Some of you might even be tapped to to be faith partners with these youth and explore these questions together. And if you get that invitation, I hope you will prayerfully consider it. And why does it matter? Here's why I think it matters. Because the questions will keep coming about who we are and why we're here on this earth. Because we long to know and to be fully known. Because we yearn to love and be loved exactly for who we are and not who someone else thinks we should be. Because somewhere down the road, we will lose our way and need to find our way back. Because life doesn't go according to plan. And we need to find meaning and hope when it doesn't. Because we need to know we're not alone. Because there are times that call us to take a stand for justice. Because the world is chaotic and broken and in crisis in so many places in our nation and abroad, it needs more than what Brian McLaren calls an incredible shrinking gospel. It needs good news that is big enough and audacious enough to meet death and evil and despair head on. That's why it matters. Rekindle the gift of God that is already in you, says the NRSV translation of Paul's words. But it's more than that. It's more like fanning the flames. Because God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Paul writes, do not be ashamed then, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. There is a preposterousness to this faith that we are to embrace because in the joining of suffering with the power of God, it dares to take on the hardest things the world has to offer and to redeem even them. 
Two weeks ago, we dedicated our restored Tiffany stained glass window from cross to crown. It's the one over there on your right, third from the door, the really bright one. It features an image of St. Helena, mother of Constantine. It was out for restoration for over a year. And because some final reglazing had yet to be completed and because plywood still covered the window on the outside and blocked the light from shining through it, we couldn't see it in its fully restored glory on the day of its dedication. Today we do. We can see the light streaming through this window, even on this cloudy day. We see the light through the window that depicts the woman most influential in the spread of Christianity through the West in the fourth century. I hope you see how much brighter it is. And one of the reasons is that prior to its restoration, trapped between the layers of glass that give this work of art its multidimensional character, trapped in between those layers was residue from soot and smoke, a grimy testament to the fire that destroyed the chancel of this sanctuary back in 1986. I know that some of you remember that fire. Now contrast the image of that fire with the flames of these two candles in the chancel this morning. Flames that symbolize the light of Christ in the world. They are beautiful and small, contained, and they dance with joy. And they also symbolize the flame of the Holy Spirit, which means that they are more than flickers of light. They're fire. And there is as much power in those little flames as a big blazing fire. All you need to do is imagine the scene that we enact in here every Christmas Eve. One candle flame lighting another and another and another. You can't do that on your own. It takes a community to do that. So it is with faith. It's notable that today on World Communion Sunday, five members of this congregation are worshiping with our partner congregation in Kenya. Well, correction, let's make that past tense, for Nairobi is seven hours ahead after all. Previous travelers who have made this trip, I see some of you, have shared the way that their own faith has been rekindled through those relationships, even transformed by the joyful witness of our partners. It's one of the reasons that we have continued the relationship. And if you happen to read the current traveler's blog from yesterday, you can find it on Facebook or on our website. If you read that, you saw pictures of the team with goats and Kenyan children. And you learned that the group met with their church session, a meeting that started with tea. 
And their pastor, Kabara, explained that in Kenya, sharing a cup of tea is an act of community. If someone invites you to have a cup of tea with them, it doesn't mean they're thirsty. It means they want to spend time talking with you. As Pastor Kabara put it, for them, having tea is community in communion. While today we won't be lighting more candles or sharing cups of tea, we will pass the bread of life and the cup of salvation to one another and another and another, one by one, adult to adult, adult to child, child to adult, as we celebrate together the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Christ invites us, adults, youth, and children to this table to feed and renew us, to fuel the fire that God has already lit inside. It's a gift of this preposterous faith that we claim for young and for old, for the weary and for the energized, for those who are certain and for those who doubt, for it too is filled with the fire and the power of God. Amen.